Welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to get down and dirty on this one. Not necessarily a topic that anybody would want to have addressed in this manner, but somebody's got to do it, and and we got to talk about it because it is becoming a problem in Denver, unfortunately. Uh, The Nuggets are in a weird position. They're in a really weird position at this point, and I am very curious to see how they're going to handle this going forward, because I don't think this is going away. I, I really don't. And we can have those conversations. We can talk about what's going on, but I am, will be addressing this. We're going to talk about this Bulls game. I actually didn't watch it live yesterday. I was at the Mile High Sports holiday party trying to enjoy myself, just trying to unplug. I figured, ah, oh, there's no way that this game becomes a storyline. Lo and behold, it becomes a storyline. And look, it's going to be okay. Like Nuggets fans know that the season is long. They know that the season goes through ups and downs. And I think Nuggets fans have weathered this storm and they understand what it means to be a championship contender and how to get to the end of the ri- get to the end of the line, the end of the rope. What am I talking about here? Um, you're not going to remember every game. You will remember this game, and you will, you will remember the name Musa Dogger, unfortunately. We'll, we'll talk about the ejection in just a second here, but I did watch the replay of the game. I watched uh, various things. Uh, by the way, I see in, in the chat we had several comments about Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, going for 64, which is crazy, as well as the 32 free throws that he attempted. That is perhaps crazier. Um it is interesting that there are some stars and the way that they play, how often they drive physically to the basket, uh, where they are going to get various calls that, that Nikola Jokic is not. Uh, but Embiid had a big night tonight. He had nine free throws in the first five minutes of the game. Giannis had 32 free throws on the evening in a, a matchup where nobody could really guard him. So interesting to see whether that's kind of a takeaway that Jokic can have and whether the Nuggets can have. and. They can start to put together clips, but it, it is just a thing where he's going to be officiated differently. I, I think that that's going to be a thing, and we're, hopefully we don't have to talk about it too much. But I do want to start with five non-Jokic takeaways from the Chicago Bulls game. And just watching the replay, getting the vibes from people around the league, and understanding what happened in this past one. Aaron Gordon needs a lot of credit for the way that he stepped up in this last game. He started at center in the second half, played a lot of great minutes as the fulcrum of the team, and did a nice little Jokic impression as as the focal point of what the Nuggets needed to do. He abused individual matchups when he got a mismatch. He was directing the offense, hit the sidestep three that I just complained about, and had nothing but the bottom towards the end of that game. Uh, was really, really impressive to see that. And Aaron Gordon deserves a lot of credit for his ability to step up in that moment. That's a good sign of things to come for Denver. Uh, number two, Contavious Concustwell Pope. Uh, he is going to be out for Denver's game on Thursday. Uh, ran into an illegal screen by Nikola Vucevic, but I haven't seen a lot of people uh, discussing that, weirdly enough. Uh, Vucevic was the one who concussed him because he was moving and he moved into KCP's space. And somehow that didn't get called, but. Uh, it was a, it was clearly an offensive foul when I saw it on replay. 
and KCP's holding his face, goes down, he plays a little bit, but they decide, you know, we're going to, he's going to get into the concussion protocol. That's a good job by Denver for getting him out and making sure that he uh, sort of like takes the time that he needs to. And Denver still was able to win without him, so that's good, but uh, they absolutely need KCP in their final form. He is an, an essential piece to their rotation, somebody that they can count on, so hopefully he gets back sooner rather than later. Number three, Reggie Jackson. He shoulders a heavier burden with the minutes that he played. And that's a nice sign for Denver as it continues to be when Jamal Murray sits. And even when Nikola Jokic sits, it seems like Reggie Jackson. Taylor made to be the first option when Denver needs him to be. That's a a surprising thing that I didn't really expect. Sometimes he'll handle that well. Sometimes he'll handle it poorly. Last night he handled it well, and that was a good sign for sure. Uh, He is a guy who Denver... They knew what they had with him, to be clear, but I don't think that they knew it to this degree that he would be playing this well and putting up these kinds of numbers. And he has been great. The 25 points that he puts up, spectacular. That's a great sign for Denver. Number four, Julian Strother. Strong, strong game. He's seeing the floor really, really well offensively. And he's a guy who, over the course of these last couple games, has really recovered a little bit of that extra zip that little bit of extra offensive punch and between the 22 points that he had in Atlanta and the 16 points and three assists and just seeing the floor pretty well he got to the line eight times against uh, Chicago that's a great sign of just using your size and understanding your positioning on the floor attacking in the right angles and being able to draw those fouls Denver actually as a team shot a bunch of free throws in a game where Jokic was uh was unhappy with his own personal foul calls so Interesting. Maybe maybe there was a little bit of an adjustment in the second half in, in how the officials actually called this one. And then number five, uh, Michael Malone needs credit. He absolutely needs credit for sure with how he handled this game and, and how he continues to handle Denver's minutes when Jamal Murray is out, when Nikola Jokic is forced out of the game. He continues to instill belief and instill a poise in the group of, hey, you just have to play hard. You have to understand the moment. Don't let anything kind of get bothered. Just understand, hey, Reggie Jackson's got you. Julian Strother's got you. Aaron Gordon could slide to the five. Christian Brown, the plus minus wasn't good, but the shooting production was. He played a pretty nice game. Uh, Good to see from all of Denver's guys. And it felt like everybody just looking through the box score, going back and looking through um, just everything that happened to that one, everybody felt like it. they contributed at least something to the game. And that's what has to happen when Jokic is out and Murray is out. So good stuff, and I think that's good coaching. It's a sign of good coaching that the team is able to step up in these moments and that they're 5-1 and one in back-to-backs. Like, that's a crazy number. Denver's played six back-to-backs so far this year, the most in the NBA. And Michael Malone's the guy that's kind of getting them through that. Uh, That has really been a very important thing for this team. He knows, like, never let up in those situations. Give your your 110% if you can. And if it's not your night, then it'll be pretty evident early. I think this team knows that whenever they give effort, they are really, really good. And that, I think, shows through on the second night of back-to-backs for some reason. So, good stuff for sure. Okay, we've done enough. Uh, Let's talk about Jokic. Motherfucker is such a weak insult. That's that's just very clear. <laughs> like it is such a weak 
insult for a referee to get up in their arms about. Like, how dare you get offended when somebody MFs you? Like, that's insane. And Musa Doggers, the, the referee that was in this position, he was the referee who uh, has ejected people in the past for inappropriate language and stuff that he feels like is personally affronting. And, look, that's fine. If, if it crosses a line, then it crosses a line. This does not cross that line. Anybody that's ever been around the NBA for a second knows that that does not cross the line. There are things that are way worse that are said at the dinner table than are said on that basketball court, and like that Jokic actually said. And it is frankly insulting to Jokic. It's insulting to other NBA players that know that they've said worse and got away with it, uh, that this was actually the reason. Uh, Reggie Jackson had a great quote uh, from Bennett Durando, who's uh, doing a great job for the Denver Post. Reggie Jackson said, quote, I thought it had to be something way more derogatory than that. It had to be a personal attack or something. And that's what I thought too. And when you read through some of the rules, when you read through some of the verbiage that comes through in conversations like this, there's this conversation of like, uh, what, what is the magic word? What is the line? What are these things that are unspoken that if a player crosses, then that is a reason to give a one-tech ejection for inappropriate behavior? Um, usually where I come out of that and what I've kind of gleaned from this is curse words versus like derogatory insults. Like, are you calling somebody a bad F word? Like, like fucker is, is a little bit different. Like I'm, I'm talking like, uh, some, some other bad words. Uh, those are way worse than motherfucker, frankly. I'm not sure why this was a trigger to Musa Dogger specifically. Like, not sure why this is something with him specifically that is a bad thing, but cursing in the NBA is like, it's just a part of the NBA. And I know that the NBA doesn't necessarily want to advertise that, but if you've ever sat anywhere near the floor, you hear everything. You'll hear everything under the sun. You'll hear guys going back and forth with each other and they'll, they'll say some inappropriate things all the time. And the fact that this was what warranted a double tech and a, not a double tech, like, like a one tech ejection is completely insane. It is relatively tame by NBA standards. And the fact that that is what really drew Musa Dogger to object him is flat out ridiculous. It's the curse words versus derogatory insults. That's a, that's one aspect of it. One other aspect in that we've we've seen with the one tech ejection is the questioning of the character or the ethics of an official. We actually saw this if if you're Nuggets, uh, if you're following the Nuggets, you saw this last year when Scott Foster ejected Scotty Barnes in a critical situation where Scott Foster called a foul and he was sending Denver to the free throw line, and then Scotty Barnes basically said, uh, "You you got money on the game or something." And something to that effect, and to which Scott Foster obviously took offense to that and ejected him because you're questioning the character and ethics of an official. Like, are you are you cheating the game? And like, that's a little bit of a different conversation, in my opinion, because that's like understandable. Like, you do not want to go after the ethics of somebody. You do not want to call them like directly personal derogatory insults. 
that if you're going after somebody like that, if you're going after their morality, you're going after who they are as a person, that's a little bit different. This was stupid. And and the NBA should feel shame for this. They absolutely should. I am very frustrated having to cover it. Although, like, this is, the, the season is long. You need things to cover during the season. But I don't want this to be the storyline. Why should it be the storyline? Nobody wants this. People wanted to see Jokic on Serbian Heritage Night. People wanted to see the best player in the world in the second largest Serbian population in the world. And frankly, like, that is just... It's just wild that this is where it's gotten to. Like, how could it possibly have gotten to this place? I just, I am still trying to figure it out. And I don't think that this is changing, like I talked about. I don't think this is changing. Um, Truth Teller says, Jokic really lowered his stats of these injections. Could have been 30, 10, and 13. Now MVP is kind of hard. What do you think? Uh, I, I actually did this math when I was talking to Swipa earlier today. It is 29 points, 13 rebounds, 9.8 assists is what Jokic would have had if he had just like, if you eliminate the two games that he was ejected and assume that he got about those same numbers, it would be 29, 13, and 9.8. So you're very close. Like those are crazy numbers and the efficiency would be better. And I think that there is some truth to the fact that the numbers are looking a little bit worse now because Jokic has played, he only had four points in this last game. He only had nine rebounds as opposed to 13. He only had six assists as opposed to 10. Like, there are some reasons to be very critical in these situations. Like, Jokic can't get his numbers. And not, not that he really cares about that specifically, I don't think. But I think all Nuggets fans that want to see him get a third MVP, they're now looking at what Embiid's doing. And they're now looking at the schedule that Embiid has played where he's gone on this crazy run. They're like, man getting a bunch of free throws and he's getting some easy games on the schedule and they just keep coming. And so people are very frustrated about that aspect of this. And then Giannis goes for 64 tonight and he goes for 32 free throws against Indiana and Denver doesn't get to play Indiana four times. They get to play them twice. And even when they do, uh, Miles Turner will probably be on him the entire time and have the luxury of, of really getting to explore that matchup a little bit. So it is... This is why Denver has to take the bad teams seriously. Like, it's why Jokic has to take the bad team seriously. But what I have come to realize about Jokic and his approach to the games is that he's trying to get wins. And when he tries to get wins against bad teams, it is never about his numbers. It is always about, I am going to get to a certain threshold here, and then I'm going to try to get off the floor. Because... I need to save myself for April, May, and June. And with Embiid, perhaps, like you're going back on the floor when the team's up 40 against the Washington Wizards. You're trying to get to the 40-point number for some reason, and you're trying to get your numbers at this point. Like That may benefit him in the regular season. It is not going to benefit him in the playoffs, I don't think. Like He is going to be worn down. I have zero doubt in my mind that Embiid is going to like sit out the stretch of there's going to be a stretch of games here where the schedule gets a little bit harder for them after they play, you know, Detroit twice and Charlotte and Washington twice and games like that. They play Minnesota at home. He has to play that game or else he'll sit out against Minnesota twice. Uh, soon after that, I'll start sitting out games again. And Giannis will do the same thing. Like, it, it, but he's a little bit of a different case. Uh, but yeah, like the numbers are going to be different. 
they are they are certainly going to be different. Nadine says, Ryan, it's because they're rigging games. I don't know. It's 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 hard for me to say one way or the other on whether they're rigging games or not. Like the moment you question the integrity of the league, uh, you start to open up Pandora's box and like people are like, okay, you can't just handle winning and losing. You can't just handle like, oh, your guy just didn't do that well. I don't think the Yoka just played great over the course of these. Like he, he certainly went through the worst shooting slump that he's been these last couple of games. And then he recovered out of it a little bit, was starting to look better. And now he's got another bit thing to be frustrated about. So it certainly doesn't feel good. That much I do know. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, I'm going to answer the question, do the Nuggets have a ref problem? Because I know a lot of you are probably wondering, okay, that's what the podcast title is about. Let's see what Ryan has to say on this. I have some thoughts on whether there is actually a ref problem or not. But first, everybody, this podcast, as you know, is brought to you by our friends over at Superbook Sports. Did you know that you could win a trip to the biggest football game of the year, courtesy of Superbook Sports? They will fly you and a friend to Las Vegas for February's championship game. And they'll also give you two tickets to the game, plus a three-night hotel stay. All you have to do is place a $25 same-game parlay between now and January 7th, and you're automatically entered to win. So wager and win a super trip to Las Vegas, courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Four terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. And we're back. Pickaxe and Roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the show. Appreciate all the love and support. If you can, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show on the audio side of things. If you're on the YouTube side, if you're listening now, like the video. That would help us out tremendously as we continue to grow the Mile High Sports YouTube channel. Uh, yesterday was a really nice day for me personally um, and for MHS just kind of getting together. It was nice to be reminded of the positive work that we're doing. And I was given a, a pretty awesome shout out from uh, my boss, Nate Lundy. And I got to meet some awesome people, including Kristen Mackey, who's uh, who's actually heading over at, at Superbook Sports, and she does a great job over there. So got a good relationship that we want to maintain. So uh, everybody, thank you so much. Hit that like button if possible. All right. Let's talk about if the Nuggets have a ref problem. I'm going to bring my notes over here. Um, do the Nuggets have a ref problem? Tom Haberstroh, who uh, has his own, I, b- I believe it's a Substack. But it might be a it's it's a behind the paywall kind of article. He recently wrote an article that talked about some of the recent ejections in the NBA, and he had some correlations there about young, inexperienced, and frankly bad refs that were ejecting these players. J.T. Orr was the referee who ejected Jamal Murray and clearly lost control of that game, uh, the Nuggets game versus Houston. He's been in the league for 12 seasons, and somehow J.T. Orr has never refed a playoff game, despite being a professional NBA ref for 12 years. That to me says, okay, you haven't been good enough at your job in order to get onto the NBA's like list of officials that actually are able to ref playoff games. And that's crazy. That's a, a is not a large threshold. You should be able to get to that threshold, but if you are not in that competent list, then you're not allowed to go. 
Musa Dogger, as we have now become so carefully aware, uh, is still young and relatively new. He's in his fifth season in the NBA. He's only 32 years old. And he has had these other instances where, like, Terrence Mann was ejected by him. A one-tech ejection because the language apparently rose to the level of the a, an ejection. Which is frankly insane because if you look at the actual rulebook in the CBA, that does not apply. And, like, it can't, like, unless the unless it was actually so egregious that it was, like, ejectable offense then like we talked about in the first segment it's are you are you calling somebody a derogatory slur basically or are you questioning their efficacy as an official then that's a little bit different than motherfucking a guy like that's that's crazy so usually the nba is supposed to assign their veteran officials to cover the most important games you'll see this with tony brothers and Scott Foster and Rodney Motts and um, some of the other guys that, that actually do a pretty good job. Uh, there are some officials that now Tony Brothers, I think, mostly does a good job. Uh, he against in that Cleveland matchup for for Denver, I think a lot of that was on Jokic, and I've I've gone through that personally. Um, but like, look, sometimes you just hate a guy like Mark Davis, Rodney Rodney Mott, Scott Foster. Scott Foster, actually, with the Nuggets is perfectly fine, but I just listed a bunch of names. Tony Brothers, Mark Davis, Rodney Mott. These are guys that have been in the league for a long time. These are the best officials that the league has to offer. And a lot of them have had conflicts with Denver. And when you are an NBA, like you're an NBA ref, you're trying to, like if you're the NBA, you're trying to assign the best refs to the top games, whether it's the Lakers and Celtics games or Jokic and Curry or, uh, like, I don't know, Luka and Embiid, players like that, like that need a, a steady hand. Like, you are trying to assign the best possible refs that you can to those games because there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on them. You want to make sure that it is as efficiently and effectively refed as possible. And Denver just hasn't had that. For whatever reason, it has really fallen through the cracks. And I don't know why they are getting so many inexperienced refs maybe it's these games that like a game between denver versus chicago is probably not as important and you could probably pass off hey who's dogger you're getting this assignment here that's fine um but if you are like denver versus detroit i don't even remember who ejected Jokic in detroit who ejected michael malone in detroit i can understand why the league didn't assign the best officials to that game because detroit sucks they are horrible they are a embarrassment to basketball right now but like Denver's still the champions they should command some of these older more veteran guys and yet like some of the veteran guys that we talked about they already have beef with Denver they already have beef with Jokic they do not ref Denver in a effective efficient way and so Denver they're kind of running out of refs that you can consistently assign them at that point if you're trying to get the best possible people and you're trying to get fans that don't necessarily have, or not fans, like refs that don't necessarily have a bias in that regard, like you're running out of options. So Denver, like the official list is not that long. It, there are plenty of them, but it is still not that long. And Denver's now running out of people that can really ref these games and you can feel good about it, which is pretty, 
uh, frustrating, I have to imagine. Um, the other thing that people have brought up to me is that Denver is not a drives-per-game team. They are not a team that is taking the ball from the perimeter and then driving into the paint. And that is where refs are trained a lot of the times. That's where these refs are trained to look for contact. Uh, They are looking for, like, this is kind of the Steph revolution, right? This is where, in a lot of these situations, these refs will look for the guards and then how like they've been trained. It, it, Steph kind of brought this about it, where you, you have to change the rules, you have to change what you're looking for, the game, like, and the way that the contact has really gotten lately. You are trying to emphasize as much scoring as possible. You've changed the rules a lot in order to make that scoring possible. And one of those is the lack of contact on the perimeter. Well, you could hammer somebody in the paint, or you could like literally slap their arm like right across the wrist and just clearly foul somebody in the paint that is less likely to be called than a bump on the perimeter like especially if if Steph Curry falls down he's usually going to get that call and there have been times where people are trying to figure out how to they're trying to legislate the flopping out of the game and that's definitely a thing but even with the flopping marginal contact on the perimeter is called way more frequently than marginal contact on the on the interior and that is the effect of all of the perimeter-based scoring. And Denver just doesn't have those kinds of guys. Like, even Jamal Murray is not really trying to draw contact in that regard. And I just, I, I can understand why fans are frustrated by that. Because you just, like, you've got a guy, and Jamal hasn't really played a ton. So it's hard to really uh, say one way or the other. But it is it is definitely frustrating. Um, Dusan says, uh, actually, sorry, uh, Giannis had 32 free throw attempts tonight. Jokic had 34 in six games in December. That is wild. Um, oh, God. <laughs> J.K. Walrus, are you, are you talking about uh, the Detroit-Denver game? Oh, Nadine, how do you keep uh, you keep jumping the uh, into the queue for these comments here? Um, that game, apparently, between Denver and Detroit, ref by Busa Dogger. So, Fascinating to see. That's another op at this point. Um, oh, the Milwaukee game. He's uh, he refed the Milwaukee game. I didn't know that he was on the on the list for games tonight. I actually checked the assigned referee list. I did not even realize. So, look, I don't think this is changing, and I know that a lot of people want me to like sit here and say, "Man, Denver's gonna like." I think they should send in, and they should make it public that they are sending in propaganda basically for hey this is where Jokic was fouled this is what you have to look for this is a letter that we're sending hey we feel bad about the way like like Jokic has been officiated because it is clearly not within the standards of how the NBA is supposed to be officiated and they should make that public I think now this is not the way that the Nuggets are run the Lakers are the team that whines about calls they whined about calls, and they did it very early on this season. And lo and behold, they started to get to the line a lot more. Denver, I think they're probably saving that bullet for when they need it, somewhere around February. I have to imagine that Michael Malone has actually had this discussion with Calvin Booth and others. Like, when do we play the free throw card? When is the right time? And if you are heading into the playoffs, like, this is probably it, if we're being honest. April 1st, 
April 3rd, April 5th, somewhere around there. Denver's just had a tough game where they're they're really fighting. They're on national TV and they're playing and they go down and they only get 10 free throws and the other team gets 26. And they're like, hey, we're the defending NBA champions and somehow we're not getting the respect despite the fact that clearly we are getting fouled consistently. And then there's something that's going to be publicized at that point. That is my prediction that Denver will wait until that threshold until they actually need to play this card. Because right now they're still winning. Like, they still won this game. They still won this game without Jokic. And Murray's played 11 out of 25 games, and they've still won so many of them. So I think that, like I said, Denver's waiting to play this card. And the fact that they have to wait, and they can't just, like, get away with it like the Lakers can, like, is a little bit frustrating, I'm sure, for a lot of people. But this is a problem. And I don't think that this is going to be solved overnight. I think this is something that the Nuggets fans are going to have to stomach and survive and figure out and be patient with and be willing to accept that you're not going to get a great whistle until the Nuggets are willing to say something. And I have no doubt that uh, it will eventually happen, but we are going to just have to see when it does. Um, yeah. Lamar, I have been going through the same thing. Lamar says, this just steeled my resolve to quit watching the NBA once Jokic retires. It's like when you've seen uh, Leonardo da Vinci paint the Mona Lisa, like why would you watch anything less? Why would you watch any lesser painter at that point? I feel that. I absolutely feel that. And I think a lot of folks, especially in Denver, feel some kind of way about it too. So hopefully there is a reason to continue watching at that point. And I hope that the Nuggets and other teams continue to give reasons to watch because like clearly there has not been a lot of people in the NBA that have ever done this like Jokic and have ever played the beautiful game like Jokic has. And the fact that he has been unable to get to that place where um, where he's been able to get to that place where it just, it just feels like the entire world is against him. And like, look, I, I'm one of the media members that I think was more critical of Jokic in moments where like, hey, this is a little bit more 50-50 on some of these situations. And like, you want to take the side of, hey, maybe everybody's doing the right thing. Maybe they're trying to do the right thing here. Clearly, this has gone beyond that. Clearly, Jokic is refed in a different way than other teams, than other players. And I just am, I am so ready for Jokic and the Nuggets to win another championship despite this garbage, despite this disgusting display that the refs have put on. So far for Denver's games, Denver 16 and nine. Somehow they've still made it work. They aren't playing their best basketball. They will play it soon. I think that Denver's about to go on a run, but it might take a little bit of time and we're just going to have to figure it out. We're going to have to see what happens here and whether Denver can make it work. But for now, folks, I think that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the show. I really appreciate all the love and support on the podcast as always. Uh, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button down below on your way out if you appreciate the show. Uh, I will be back. I'm probably going to do a late night show on Thursday, but it, it is possible that I still do something on Friday. Uh, going to do a, a small little trip, so we'll, you'll probably see a little bit less coverage from me over the weekend, but should be fun nonetheless. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast, as always. We'll talk to you guys very soon.